0: It is my great privilege to introduce to you somebody who's a dear friend of mine. And, uh, you know, it's like you, you say somebody's a dear friend. I mean, he really is a very special friend of mine. And uh, he's an apostolic leader outside of every nation. And we as Every Nation Joburg have said we want input not just from within every nation, but also art from outside. And, and that's, what he, that's what he is. He is our chosen apostolic input to Every Nation Johannesburg. So it's significant that he's here. And what he carries as the head of Global Legacy, which is a network of revivalists. What he is doing, based just outside of London, into all of Europe, bring revival, is just phenomenal. So, really, we are privileged this morning. So, get your faith up and be expectant and open up your cell phones or your diaries and just receive this word this morning. Let's welcome Paul Manwaring as he comes to share. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be uh, back here. Some places around the world feel more like home than others. That's a nice picture of my wife there as well. It's a bit old of me, but she hasn't changed, so. (laughs) I might have to send you a new one there. uh, No, uh, I'll tell you a secret about my wife. My wife loves the South African accent she absolutely I'm not being funny she meets South Africans anywhere in the world I just love your accent it's it's, uh yeah so it's genuinely really good to be here feels like uh, a place that we just feel very comfortable sorry I haven't been for a while makes me want to keep coming back so just being here and your worship and your love and a few other things about this great country um that I love um I I mean I just want to read something I wasn't Planning on this, but let me just read something because of the first song, and I really just felt like um, I wanted to make this uh, um, statement. Psalm twenty-four. In uh, it's the Passion translation. If you haven't got it, don't worry about it. But you might want to try and get it. You can get it. Actually, I've I think I got it for about nine dollars. The whole thing on Kindle, so y- you can get it pretty reasonably. But it's Psalm 24, and uh, the first part is, you, you know it well, you know, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, you know, who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? But the second part, the translation in here is incredible, and it's this, and, and we were kind of singing at the beginning, so wake up, you living gateways, lift up your heads, you ageless doors of destiny, welcome the King of Glory, but this is the bit I want, I want you just to get For he is about to come through you. Like you're the gates. Don't look for bricks. Look for flesh and blood. Wake up, it says. You living gateways. Lift up your heads. You ageless doors of destiny. Welcome the king of glory. For he is about to come through you. You ask, who is this glory king, the Lord, armed and ready for battle? We sung all this this morning, the warrior of warriors. You sung it in a beautiful language. It was so stunning. The Lord, armed and ready for battle, the mighty one, invincible in every way. So wake up, you living gateways, and rejoice. Fling wide, you ageless doors of destiny. You're an ageless door of destiny. Tell the person next to you, he's an ageless door of destiny, or she's an ageless door of destiny. Yeah, you might look a bit gray, but you're ageless, you know. (laughs) Here he comes. The king of glory is ready to come in. You ask, who is this king of glory? He is the Lord of victory. He's the Lord of victory. Armed and ready for battle. The mighty one, the invincible commander of heaven's foes. Yes, he is the king of glory. I just love that translation. And um, I'm just going to do a couple of things. I'm always conscious of of time, but but I felt like the Lord is... um, And and actually, my wife and I had a conversation this week. And I said to her, I want you to remind me, everywhere I go, I don't ever want to start a meeting without praying for the sick. Uh, And um, uh, it's not that I don't. It's just that sometimes you get into the zone and you come and you've got a message and you feel like you want to say something. But two weeks ago, my wife met a young lady, 36 years of age, in a church that we were ministering in. And uh, I I tell you this, if compassion could heal, that woman would be 100% healed in a moment. She's about 36 years of age, had six kids, and up until eight weeks ago was, as far as she knew, completely healthy. And she went with severe headaches and and came out with a diagnosis of eight tumors in her brain, tumors in her kidney, tumors in her liver, tumors in her back, and uh, basically, we're not going to treat you. Go home and write 21 birthday cards to each of your children. And she just said to my wife, I don't want to do that. And my wife prayed for her, and then she called me over, and, and uh, so I prayed for her. And then um, just this last Wednesday, we got a report. And uh, it was a handwritten report from her, and it said that her tumors had either all halved in size or two of them had gone away. And, and I, I just like, I, I was a nurse once in a former life. I don't believe in reincarnation, you understand. It was one of my first careers. I I started the healing rooms in Bethel. I've got notes in the front of my Bible that say, in case this healing revivalist ever forgets, these are the miracles that we've seen. And and so we've just made a commitment that that's where we start. And... um, So that's where we start. There's three groups of people that I always pray for, and I really want to just pray for this morning. If you have cancer in your body, I want to pray for you. I was healed of cancer 10 years ago. I'm 10 years cancer-free. Your testimony gives you authority. I have a testimony that gives me authority. Um, The second group I want to pray for is if you're here and you're trying for children and you're married, but you can't have children. I put the married piece in there. It just feels like it might be appropriate in a church, you know? Um, And, uh, but... uh, my wife and I, uh, she, she was healed of infertility some years ago and um, in the last 10 years we have prayed uh, in many, many places and we have seen so many people get a breakthrough. This is the original design of God, be fruitful and multiply, don't worry about original sin, don't worry about all that stuff that people want to throw at you. The original design of man was be fruitful and multiply. So if you have cancer this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand. Is anyone here with cancer? I want to make sure we pray for you. There's no one here with cancer, Cancer cancer-free room. There's one there. Why don't you just stand up? No, you don't want to stand up? Okay, that's all right. I'll still pray for you. Is that right for me to pray for you? Absolutely believe, you know, that this is the will of God to to see healing. And uh, so, yeah, somebody's going to come and love on you over there, I think. That's beautiful. If you have infertility, anyone praying for children that can't have children? If you're a parent of somebody who can't have children, stand up. If you have a very close friend, and you might go, is he stretching this too far? No, I'm not. If you have a work colleague or a close friend that can't have children, I want you to stand up. My wife had somebody stand up in this position. And the lady came up to the front and said, yeah, I have a work colleague. And uh, is it okay? I hadn't called these people out. My wife said, of course it's okay. She said, well, my work colleagues are Muslim. My wife said, of course it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And uh, that Muslim colleague got pregnant by the Christian work colleague. So if you're praying for yourself, if you're praying for your children, if you're praying for a friend or work colleague, there's one other group of people um, that I want to just pray for this morning. You have arthritis in your body that keeps you awake at night. You you have pain that keeps you awake at night. In actual fact, if you can't sleep, I want you to stand up. The lack of sleep is one of the great attacks of the enemy to distract you, and to make you tired during the day. All right. If you're around these people, just stretch out your hands. Absolutely believing for breakthrough. Breakthrough for cancer, to leave. Beautiful lady's body over there. Cancer, leave her body. Every cancerous cell become a healthy cell. And I I speak to the the immune system of that lady's body and say, immune system right now, seek out the cancerous cells and do what your body was made to do. Expel sickness from the body. The original created design of heaven be restored right now and bring complete healing and breakthrough. For everyone with infertility, I I just say the same prayer that my wife and I have prayed countless times. Conceive, carry, deliver healthy, full-term Babies. And there's no such thing as second class pregnancies. Infertility and infertility treatment is legal in the kingdom. Take care of these families. Take care of this, Jesus. And for those that can't sleep, I declare. Good sleep. Arthritis and pain that keeps you awake at night. Be removed. Be removed right now in the name of Jesus. Pain, inflammation, worn out cartilages. Be restored and sleep tonight. I prophesy and declare sleep tonight. And for those that can't sleep well. For those that are tormented in the night. That wakes them up and they can't get good sleep. I declare and speak sleep tonight in Jesus name. Release your power. Release your power, Jesus. Release your power in this place. through those gathered around, through my words, through the power of God, come in this place and bring breakthrough, bring babies, destroy cancer, and bring healthy, pain-free sleep in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, and make sure you let Roger know. We have we had such beautiful reports of people getting pregnant. A man stood on his own two years ago in, the, in a church in Sydney, Australia. He didn't even want to be in the meeting. He was suicidal. He was right at the back. I saw him hesitate as he stood. And he stood up and, and we were praying. And, and um, a year later, he came and presented a little baby to Sue and I and said, a year ago, I wanted to kill myself. I was suicidal. I had no reason to live. I didn't even want to be in church that night, and I was leaving after worship. But when you said that, I stood up. And shortly after that, my wife got pregnant. And I'm not suicidal anymore, because I have a reason to be alive. And I, I love that. I love the, the way that God works. Well, uh, Roger's introduction was, was kind, extravagant. Um, I do want to talk to you about um, the phrase or the word apostolic, but I want to add it to another word. anyone notice that there's a change in the the way the church is kind of functioning, talking? It feels to me as though this is what we used to do. We used to come to church, to go out into the world, to get as many people to come to church as possible to make sure they were going to heaven. Yeah? It felt like what we were basically doing, you know. And, And the more people in the church, the better. Now, I'm not saying that it's not important to get people to heaven, but it feels that this is what we're doing now. We are bringing heaven to earth and out of our relationships in the church, we're going out into the world to make the world look more like heaven so that the people in the world actually want a relationship with the Father because the world is starting to look like heaven. Something's changed in the way that we think. And, you know, Jesus said he'd build his church. Kind of funny, we spent 2,000 years trying to do something that he said he would do. But he said, my father wants to give you the keys to the kingdom. So maybe we should pick up the keys and not worry about the church. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all these things. And I think all must include the church. So seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And there's this shift. There's this change. And I want to start with this one word to start with, and that is apostolic, because it's a word that brings a lot of confusion. It's confused people. It's been misapplied. And I want to just make sure that I clarify something. Now, the word I'm talking about is apostolic, not apostle. That's important. I'm not here to talk about apostles. I'm here to talk about being apostolic. Now, being apostolic... I believe, is a mindset that comes from coming under the influence of an apostle. Now, the word apostle has been abused. There are people who you know, form hierarchical, controlling organizations. I'm not here to tear that stuff apart. I just want to shift to this place. Apostolic is a mindset, a way of thinking, that is the result of coming under the influence of an apostle. And the apostle that I most like to talk about is Apostle Jesus. He doesn't often get called that, does he? But he is Apostle Jesus. And and he is actually, in Hebrews it says, he is the first apostle. So Jesus is Apostle Jesus, if I can call him that. He's also Prophet Jesus, Teacher Jesus, Evangelist Jesus, and Pastor Jesus. All of those. So, let, if I can just start here, because I think this is really important that we get this, this truth. Apostle Jesus prayed a prayer for us. He said, as the Father send me, and the word send there is the same word, apostolos. So, as the Father apostolos me, Jesus said, I apostolos you. And you go, is he talking about us? Yes, he is. Because he said, I don't just ask on the 12 that are here, but for everyone who believes on account of their words. So if you're here today and you believe this book, the Bible, and you love Jesus Christ, you've been sent by Jesus. Is that okay? So every one of you... Who calls Jesus Lord is apostolic. Now I didn't say you're an apostle. Please don't start putting name badges up and go apostle this, apostle that. Even if you have the right name like mine, apostle Paul. I mean, Paul fits. I'm <laughs> apostle Roger. I haven't found it in the Bible. I mean, looking, but you know, I, I don't call myself apostle. Let me just clarify that. It's not something. I, that's a joke, but. I don't want you to either, unless, unless someone else does. That's fine. I'm good with that. But you are apostolic. You have been sent from heaven to earth to make earth like heaven. That's a simple assignment. So it's important that we get this. See, the, the other um, titles in the Bible... We've worked out that their job description, the pastor's job description, is to help us to be pastoral to the world. The prophet's job description is to help us to be prophetic to the world. The teacher's job description is help us to be teacher something, teacheric, I would call it, if I wrote the English language. So that we can teach the world how to find revelation from the Word of God. And of course, the evangelist's job is to make us evangelistic so that we share the gospel with the world. So why have we missed it with the apostle? The apostle's job is to make us apostolic. So you're apostolic. I hope you've all got that this morning. You've all been sent. Now, not only are you apostolic, but you are part of an apostolic family. How many of you have ever prayed the prayer, Our Father who are in heaven how many of you have prayed that prayer hundreds of times thousands of times haven't you well it starts with this phrase our father it's not your father not my father not their father our father we have a father so we're family so here's what i believe we are an apostolic family as the father sent jesus so jesus sent us and jesus taught us to pray our father so we're an apostolic family it's not about what church title you're part of if you know jesus christ as your lord and savior he is your apostle and you have been sent by him to bring heaven to earth so i've started looking just at a few characteristics i'm going to hit it pretty hard pretty fast And one of these days, maybe there'll be more information or a book. But I want to start with this. And I've already said it, but it means that we are sent. Now, many of us have seen the people brought up to the front of the church, the elders, the missionaries, and people have prayed for them. And they've been sent, as it were sent to go and plant a church, sent to go and be a missionary. And there's 97 out of every 100 people in church sitting in a seat wondering when they'll be sent. Anyone ever thought that? Well, I have news for you. You're sent. The, The apostolic mindset knows that whatever I do on Monday morning, I've been sent. I've been sent to my office, to my school to my university, to my store, to my restaurant, to my hotel. Wherever I work, I'm sent. Because sent is an inside job. Sent is, I know I've been sent. The Apostle Paul said this, I, Paul, send you, Timothy, to remind them of my works in Christ. When, when, the, when the Apostle sends, remember Jesus sent you, he sent you to remind the world of Jesus Christ. And it, sometimes it looks like gardeners. Sometimes it looked like builders. It, it, it's not about a title in the church. It's about a knowledge on the inside that we are the sent ones. So number one, a characteristic of an apostolic family is we all know we've been sent. We're not waiting for someone to lay hands on us. We're not waiting for someone to say, you're a missionary there. You're a missionary in the coffee shop on the corner. You've been sent. And there isn't many higher callings than making good coffee on this planet, in my opinion. You're sent. So number one, we're sent. I've got 15 of these, so you'll understand. I'm going to hit it pretty hard. We are empowered. We're empowered. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. What a tragedy that 2,000 years of church history, we see churches that have built models that control That say, if you're really a Christian, you'll look like this and you'll do this and you'll behave like this. No, if you're a lover of Jesus, you'll do those things anyway. Not because man told you, but because you love him so much. But you're empowered. The Father gave power to Jesus and Jesus gave that power to us. We're empowered. And we need to know on the inside that we are free. You see... Too much religion has stopped us from being who we were called to be. And we are, I believe this, I believe we're an identity generation. I believe we're a generation who's discovered who we are. And out of that, we're free. We've experienced the freedom of the cross of Jesus Christ. So that we are free, we're empowered to go, to be, to do, to express, to reproduce, to represent. Jesus, you are empowered. You're not just sent, but you're sent with power. Jesus gave us all authority. He said all authority. Go. You're empowered. See, you, didn't, you don't come here to end up looking like the leadership here. That's a problem with a lot of the church. We've created this structure that says, okay, let's help you to look like me. No, I, my job's to help you to look like you. To encourage you to be you. To be the best artist, the best business man or woman. The best doctor, the best nurse, the best teacher. The best you you can possibly be. And I want to empower you to do that, to be that, to go and to show the world what he looks like through you. Not what he looks like through a poor representation of a preacher who stands up here and tries to make you look like him or her. You're empowered, is that okay? You're a releaser of hope. Now I could pick many cultures. And, and I, I went through all my list of cultures that I, I think are important. But I noticed that there's something about the apostolic that brings hope. The apostle Paul wrote in Romans, he, he said this, tribulation, he said, produces character. And character and, and perseverance, sorry, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. The, the nature of the apostolic is you bring hope. Now, now one of the challenges has been that we've been afraid of bringing false hope. Like It's a fear. It's a, it's a fear when I stand up here and go, cancer be healed. I don't want to bring false hope. But I'll tell you two things. There is no such thing as false hope. Because we worship the God of all hope. Which means he's got it all. So don't worry. The devil got none. None. We're bringers of hope. It's an absolute key to apostolic. As we are sent, whatever it is you do tomorrow morning, you're a bringer of hope. I love the illustration you gave. You've got a friend who, who you know he's always going to say something good, something nice, something encouraging. Yeah, that's what we need to be. Bringers of hope. Hope that does not disappoint. I'm going to tell you, I prayed for a lot of people. A lot of people with with diseases, some of those have died. I've never had one person write and complain. You brought hope to my family and my wife died. No one's ever complained about bringing hope. It's our assignment to be bringers of hope to the world. To change the way that people see the world and to be bringers of hope. Number three that was. Number four, we're family. I've covered it already, but it's really important. We are not bound together by rules, by paying fees, by adherence to this set of rules or that set of rules. We are family. It's about relationship. This book is a textbook of relationship. It started as a family in a garden and it ends as a family in heaven. And everything in between is to help us learn how to be family. We are a family. And learning how to do that. Number five, the Apostle Paul, he's brilliant at this. He's brilliant at declaring this. I didn't come with clever words, but with power. The apostolic demonstrate power. You know, the Apostle Paul was birthed into the Christian faith by power. That's how he was birthed. He was knocked off his donkey. The power of God hit him. And he demonstrated power. It's what we're called to do. To be the ones who demonstrate power. It makes us different. You can bring hope. You can do relationship. But one of the things that makes us uniquely different is the demonstration of power. Of tumors dissolving. Of people who can't have babies getting babies. Of of healings of any kind. It stands. It marks us out. We demonstrate power. We represent. I think this is one of the most extraordinary things that we get to do we get to represent Christ I don't know whether you realize this but you, we have three job descriptions in the Bible imitate God imitate Paul and imitate Christ you are in the Bible we we get to represent Jesus Christ what did he say that he came to do to reveal the father we get to reveal the father and incidentally ladies so do you Women reveal the Father, just in case there's any doubt. Genesis 1:26. If you want to study women, don't go past that. It's all dealt with. Let us make man in our image, male and female. He created them. Job done. All right? Job done. Women reveal the Father. It's really important that we get this. The world needs to see the attributes that the Father put in women. The world needs to see it. We re- get to represent Christ who revealed the Father. I have a, a message. I'm just finishing a book actually about things fathers do. And in the things that we do, we reveal the Father. So, Great. number seven. We strengthen and we encourage. Um, Ephesians talks about this. But it's, a, it's an absolute key. Is that we are a family who strengthen and encourage One of the greatest breakthroughs I've had in the last three years was to realize that for me to be a father to somebody doesn't mean I have to be able to do what they can do. They don't need that. They just need encouragement and strengthening. An apostolic family encourages and strengthens and says, I believe in you. You can do this. Go for it. Change the world. Be a history maker. The apostolic family encourages and strengthens. Our focus is on where can I pour courage into someone's life. I'm in a season of my life at the moment where I am ridiculously blessed around evangelists. I'm not a classic evangelist myself, but they call me a father of evangelists. I just love encouraging them. I love them. I love what they do. They look at me and go, we don't need you to do what we do. We don't need you even to understand what we do. We just need you to believe in us, to love us, to encourage us. And that's what I love to do. Number eight, we have an awareness of an unseen world. Some of you in here see stuff I don't see. Some of you might see my angel. I'm hoping my angel will introduce themselves to me someday. Loads of times people say, do you know you have an angel? It's just on your right side. Great. I'm so glad there are people who see the unseen. The apostolic family has an awareness of an unseen world. And we need that. Sometimes those people are a little strange, a little weird, a little wacky. They do things a little out of the ordinary. And people with my kind of brain can sometimes reject that a little bit or be cautious. But I've realized we must celebrate. An unseen world. And the Apostle Paul did that. I want to encourage you. Encourage the people around you who see what you don't see. Who feel what you don't feel. Encourage them. We need them. We need to know what's happening up there, as it were, in the heavenlies. We need to be connected to that. Apostolic families have an awareness of the unseen. Apostolic families have an ongoing relationship with a God who speaks and encounters I am increasingly conscious that the Christian life is really a journey of moving from one encounter to another prophetic words are encounters a prophetic word is an encounter with a God who knows your future we we live from encounter to encounter and we must never never grow tired of pursuing the next encounter I just had one recently I wasn't expecting it now Let me start here. Encounters aren't all out there and weird. Sometimes they're very simple. Your first encounter got you in the Christian family. You got saved. You have encounters that give you calls, that that give you identity. And uh, I cut this very short. My dad died when I was 15. I've I've, I've shared the story a lot. I've been around, and I love inner healing. I've been around a lot of inner healing. And and I, I understand and I love the phrase when people say, I need to go and jump into daddy's lap. Some of you have probably heard that. It's great. We need that. But I was, I'd was i heard my favorite uh, sort of preacher on this subject. And I went for a walk. And uh, I realized jumping in daddy's lap is not what I need. My dad died when I was 15. I did lots of jumping in daddy's lap. What I needed was a man-to-man. I realized that what I was most lacking in my Christian life was man-to-man with Jesus. And if I can risk saying this, I don't need to jump in daddy's lap. I need a beer with Jesus. I need man to man with Jesus. I had an encounter and it changed me. You see, we're not meant to stay as babies that jump in daddy's lap. We're meant to become mature men and women who are able to have eyeball to eyeball contact with the man, Jesus. He was a strong, real man. He cut down trees. He carried them to his carpentry shop. He sold ships probably, boats and stuff. He's a real man who sat late in the night sitting around a meal table, eating flatbread and olives and olive oil and locusts probably dripped with some honey or something. He's a real man. I want to meet him. I want to know him. I had an encounter. It changed me. We have ongoing relationship with a God who speaks. We confront the impossible. We stand in front of the impossible. And we need to live like that. Jesus said this, When I come back, will I find faith? And faith stands in front of impossible situations and says, Heaven touch this situation. We have to stand in front of the impossible. I want to challenge you. If you feel your Christian life's a bit dry right now, find something impossible and stand in front of it. And look it straight in the eye. And start to pull heaven to earth in that situation. Your dryness will end. We confront the impossible. We embrace mystery. Number 11, I think. We embrace mystery. We don't need to know all the answers. If you believe you know all the answers, you are worshipping you. We worship the God of all eternity who knows all things, the wise one. We were never meant to know the answer to everything. Do I know the answer to everything? No. Do I know why somebody died that I prayed for? No, I don't know. But I refuse to reduce my theology to my experience. I live in mystery. I embrace mystery. I embrace what I do not understand. And the Apostle Paul talked about the administration of mystery. We embrace mystery. Number 12, we build on the foundation of others. Paul said, one man builds and another man builds upon it. This country, you have people who built before. You have some of the greatest men and women of God who've ever walked this planet who built in this nation. They gave a foundation, let's build on it. Too often we've torn down what the others have done. We need to build on the foundation of those that have gone before. Even if they ended badly, that's another message we redeem because we worship the redeemer this is a big one for me it's a whole big subject my little phrase in my life is he wastes nothing he gets you ready he redeems the lows and repeats the highs of your life he's redeemer our mindset is redemption it's it's the way that we live our our apostle Jesus is the redeemer and therefore we redeem we embrace redemption Number 14, we have big vision. We don't have little vision. Jesus didn't say, go into the street nearby. He said, go into all the world. He, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, we became people who dream and prophesy. We're world changers and history makers. We have big visions and big dreams. And finally, we persevere. We're perseverers. I I I was just going through a little bit of of a mental struggle recently. The Lord told me watch Rocky. I'd never watched any of it. I watched the whole series. He spoke to me. I then went to a friend of mine, a friend who etches in leather, and he normally does elephants and lions and stuff. He sells these things to Saudi princes. They are stunning. I'm spending the day with him. I'm looking forward to seeing his work. And I walked in and he has eight new canvases. These are big canvases. They're 10 foot square. They are stunningly beautiful. And on these canvases are boxers who fight. And What's going on? Why are you doing that? He, and he started talking. He said, I'm down, but I'm not out. And then I pulled my passion translation out and I go, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm down, but I'm not out. And quitting's not an option. The apostolic character is quitting's not an option. We persevere. And here's where I want to close. If you're in a situation right now and it feels tough, you're up against it, I want you to stand because I want to release perseverance to you. And the Greek word is hupomone. Don't worry about it. I'm not really that clever. I just have an iPad. But hupomone is the character of a man or woman who is unswerved from their purpose in life by even the most fiery ordeals and sufferings. Perseverance. We persevere. We might be down. We might be hurt. But quitting's not an option. Father, as I close this, I bless you that we're an apostolic family. But today I want to release this hupomone, perseverance. You might have been hit several times. It doesn't matter. The real issue is how many times can you be hit and still keep moving forwards, as the great apostle Rocky said. That's what it is. It's perseverance. Father, I release to everyone standing and to this house and to this ministry and to this movement, a perseverance spirit Because perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. In Jesus' name, persevere. Don't quit. It's not an option. Amen.